The couple drove to cluster in silence. Toby was a ball of nerves, but Sadie was a complete wreck. Her mother finally passed the day before, and her sister wasn't answering the phone. Toby knew very little about Mindy, only that some drama between her and the rest of Sadie's family led to them going no contact with her. That was years ago, long before he and Sadie had even met, and no one seemed keen on the idea of opening those old wounds, so Toby didn't pry. That was then, but under the circumstances, he felt it was time to ask. Uh, so, Toby said, what made everyone cut Mindy out in the first place? He knew Sadie didn't want to talk about it, but more importantly, he had to know at some point. Besides, he had already proposed months before and was curious about what he'd signed up for. At first, Sadie left his question hanging in the air. Finally, she reached out and answered. At the end of the day, it was Ryan, her husband. He introduced her to God, and she jumped into their community church with both feet. They passed a sign, cluster listed as being about twenty miles away. Someone had spray-painted a black line across the town's name, and something about that image made Toby shiver. He tried to brush it off. So, she became some kind of Jesus freak, then. Sadie nodded, frowning. We didn't hate religion. Just never felt the Holy Spirit, or whatever. She made it sound like we just didn't give it a fair shake. I tried to make it clear that organized religion just wasn't for me, but they wouldn't have it. Uh, yeah, I understand that. Toby said, glancing over at Sadie briefly before returning his eyes to the road. She was fiddling with the bracelet her mother had given to her as a wedding gift, twisting and untwisting an end of it like she'd always did when she felt restless. It reminds me of when I tried to go to Sunday school as a kid. I wasn't forced or anything, but, but my dad did say it would be a good idea to give it a chance. I never knew you were interested in that sort of thing, Toby, she said. The distraction briefly pulled her attention from the bracelet. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't some sort of desperate grab for something. I was just curious about the whole thing. It's like trying to watch a game of football for the first time. People all across the country love this thing, so let's see what the fuss is all about. You know? Anyway, when I got on the shuttle to the church, they asked me if I was new, and I told them that I was. They wrote my name and age down, and I didn't think anything of it. Just assumed it was for their records. After this lesson and a classroom, something about Moses holding a stick during a battle, I think, they brought us to the main room and had all kinds of sermons and songs, and it was profoundly boring. This was just the kids' church, of course, so everything was light, uh, nothing about damnation or the sins of man or anything else that might hold my interest. Then we had the candy raffle. Sadie laughed. The what? Toby nodded. Yeah, they did this candy raffle. Uh, they drew names out of a hat, and the kid who won got to bring home a giant bag of candy. I was a little porker at that age, so I sat at the edge of my seat and crossed my fingers. 
even from the pews in the back, I could see the striking yellow of a Mr. Goodbar, the familiar orange of Reese's cups. I was practically salivating. Funny, I never knew you had a sweet tooth. Sadie had stopped with the bracelet completely. Good, Toby thought. Better to keep her mind off heavier subjects. Well, I try to stay away from the stuff now, he admitted. Easier to gain the weight than lose it, you know. So, anyway, they do the raffle and I actually win one of the bags. I was shocked because I'd never really been a lucky person. My mantra was, it's always something, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. That all changed when I met you, of course. Oh, shut up, Sadie said, her cheeks reddening. It's true. Uh, anyway, as it turns out, luck had nothing to do with it. I came back the following Sunday, and they didn't have another candy raffle at all. Just more sermons, more Jesus, more of everything that didn't pique my interest the first time around. I only showed up again because I assumed that I could win myself another bag of candy, seeing if lightning would strike twice. Obviously, it didn't. I was dropped off at the apartment complex I lived at, along with a few neighbor kids who were regulars at the church. I asked them how often the church did candy raffles, and one of them just laughed and said, Oh, that bullshit. They only do the raffles when there's a new kid, and the new kid always wins, so I stopped going. They were bribing the new kids with candy, Sadie asked. Absolutely. But how do you know for sure? Toby shifted in his seat. Well, I did it again. He admitted as they passed another sign with the cluster's name crossed out. Sadie was looking at Toby and didn't see the sign. What do you mean? After a few years, when I was in middle school, my family moved to a different apartment complex. I'd grown a bit taller, lost a good chunk of, well, of my chunk. The Sunday school shuttles would stop by those apartments too, so one Sunday I decided to give it another shot. And not just the candy, the actual god stuff, too. I don't think I ever did that, Sadie noted, smiling sadly at the idea. It just never felt right to me. Not even the idea of believing or whatever. I don't know why I always pushed back against it. Toby shrugged. Well, some people are born with that uncanny ability to take a leap of faith, but people like you and me aren't wired like that. I didn't understand that at the time. I wasn't sure what kind of person I even was, but I knew that the church could sort me out one way or the other. I gave them one more shot. The one chance to either reel me in or prove I couldn't be a believer. It worked, too. After the second time, I knew exactly where I stood. What happened? Two things, actually, he admitted. Changing lanes to get around a semi-truck. You see, the teenagers are given more mature passages to read and learn from in the classrooms, and then all of us were treated to an equally mature sermon before joining the younger kids in the main room. That day, they had a contest where the first three kids who could recite a verse from the Bible would win a glazed donut. I raised my hand and read out the passage I just learned in the classroom. Job 116. God had delivered me to the ungodly and turns me over to the hands of the wicked. The guy looked at me, just standing there like a deer in headlights, and I'll never forget what he said to me. 
Sadie's ears perked up at that one. What did he say? He sighed, shook his head, and said, Kid, just say John 316. Sadie's head tilted to the side. What? Toby shrugged. I still don't know. It could be that he didn't like my verse. Maybe he thought I was fucking with him by sharing a quote that made God sound like an asshole. At the time, though, I had this overwhelming feeling that he literally didn't know the passage I was talking about. Like he was angry at me for bringing it up. Sadie laughed at the thought. Well, at least he got a donut. I refused, actually. What? Sadie asked incredulously. I didn't want the fucking donut at that point. I had learned from the classroom, and when it was time to apply what I'd learned, I was disrespected for it. He asked me a second time, and I just said, No, I don't want it anymore. Some other kid raised his hand and said, John 316, so they gave him the donut instead. Wow, that's actually bullshit, Sadie said, shaking her head. It's fine. I said I was new when I got on the shuttle, and sure enough, I got another bag of candy out of it. They both laughed for a good long while after that, but the distraction eventually passed, and Toby could see the weight of the last few days begun to return to Sadie's shoulders. So, they really tried to bribe you, she said, shaking her head in disapproval. Yep. Taught me everything I needed to know about church. They want asses and seats, some money on the collection tin. That's all. I assume that, to them, the sweets are just a long-term investment, but I'm also of the opinion that using the same tactics as child molesters is kind of a red flag. Sadie returns to her bracelet. Mindy tried to get me into it, but she never tried to bribe me. It started as offhand mentions of how welcoming their church was. They requested to try it out and see if we felt closer to the Lord. Finally, she begged us to let them save our souls from eternal hellfire. Sounds fun, Toby joked. No, she said bluntly. Mindy believed what she was saying, had her whole heart in it. She wanted us to be part of it, and wouldn't let it go no matter what we said. Eventually, we had to cut her out of our lives completely, which was hard because that meant going no contact with my niece and nephews. We all did it, though. It was too much. Something had to be the last straw, Toby speculated, hoping to finally learn more about what caused the rift in Sadie's family. Sadie twisted the bracelet, but her eyes were straight ahead. Well, it wasn't something to do with me specifically, uh, more my mom than anyone. She came down to Cluster to visit her grandkids, and before she'd even unpacked, Mindy had already started begging her to go to church with them on Sunday. My mom turned her down and told me she wasn't shy about it either. And for a while, it looked like Mindy had gotten the message. She started sulking around the house, didn't talk much, gave my mom a wide berth so she could spend time with the kids. My mom said it was awkward, but better than constantly dealing with Mindy's nagging. But that didn't last long, right? Toby said. Of course not. That Saturday night, Mindy told my mom that they'd be getting breakfast at the diner. Then they'd drop my mom off at the house so the rest of the family could go to the church while she did whatever at home. You're welcome to come, but it's your choice, Mindy had said, 
On the day of, though, they drove her right to the church instead. We're already here, Mindy told her. Just give it a chance, and then we'll go to the lunch afterwards. My mom was so furious with them that she just sat in the car, said she wouldn't move a muscle until they brought her back to the house. Toby smiled. It sounds like something she'd do. Sadie's mother was a very strong-willed woman, and anyone who saw how hard she fought the cancer would agree. The doctors would occasionally joke that she was too stubborn to die, and he believed it. Sadie nodded. Ryan didn't like that. I didn't like being told what to do by a woman. Or at least that's the impression my mom got. He told her to get out of the car, and when she refused, he unbuckled her seatbelt and tried to pull her out of the car. Toby blinked at that. Uh, really? He put his fucking hands on her? Sadie nodded. She got him for it, though. The way she tells it, or told it, I mean. My mom slapped the son of a bitch so hard I saw Tweety Bird circling his head. After that, he just slammed the door and went inside. Mindy and the kids went with him, so my mom waited in that car until the service was over. As soon as they brought her to the house, she packed her things and left. Wow, Toby said, shaking his head. Yeah, we cut her off after that. I told her that she'd have our full support if she took the kids and left Ryan. I told her to lose our numbers if she thought him manhandling mom was justified. Haven't heard from her since. We tried to call, email, anything we could think of after my mom got sick and got no response. Sadie stopped fiddling with the bracelet for a moment, wiping a few stray tears away. She probably doesn't know our mom's dead. I might not even know she was sick in the first place. The exit to Cluster neared. Toby turned into it, and through the nearby trees, saw a supermarket in the distance. It was still in the early evening, but he couldn't see any lights coming from the storefront. Well, uh, whatever we walk into at your sister's place, I'll be right by your side. Thanks, Sadie said, wiping more tears away. Toby drove into the parking lot, realizing as he neared the front entrance that it was completely empty. The store was pitch black inside. So, that's odd, he said. Sadie looked up. What? Uh, oh, uh, they closed it down? I guess so, Toby mumbled. Uh, let's just go straight to your sister's place. Wait, uh, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, stop the car. Toby obliged, parking against the curb in front of the entrance. Sadie unbuckled her seatbelt. Come on she said, opening the door. Confused, he frowned. What are you doing? he asked, catching up with her as she reached the front entrance of the supermarket. The doors stayed in place even after she waved her hands at the sensors. She pressed her hands against the glass doors, trying to get a better look inside. The last time I was here, back when my nephew Christopher was just a baby, this is where everyone in clusters shopped. Seriously, Every Saturday, the store was packed. There's no way they'd close this place. Toby looked around, wondering if there was anything nearby to explain why the store was closed, and saw a face peeking from around the corner of the building. From the long hair and dirt on his face, Toby could only assume that he was homeless. Sadie, get in the car, he said quietly. Why? 
She was still looking inside. There's a homeless guy staring at us, Toby explained. Let's go. She turned away from the door and spotted the man he was talking about. Oh, we can ask him. I'll ask him, Toby insisted. Car, please. Sadie relented, locking the door as soon as she was in her seat. He stepped towards the man, holding a hand up. Hey, pal, uh, when did this place close? The man scratched at his beard, stepping carefully towards Toby, like the stranger was afraid that he'd strike without a moment's notice. Preacher man said it was time, he grumbled, pointing a thumb out towards Cluster's main street. No room for bums, no room if you can't pay. Time for what? Where'd they go? Toby asked, glancing again at the empty parking lot. The man smiled, a toothy grin filled with gaps and cavities. End of the world, sky falling, plague spreading, ear to the ground, preacher man said it was time, and poof, they're gone, like magic. You don't seriously think they've been raptured, do you? Toby asked. From the man's crazed eyes alone, he could believe that he did. Yup, went north. He said people don't get taken to paradise, they go there. Toby pulled his phone... Toby pulled his phone out and checked the map to confirm what he was already believed. Buddy, there's nothing north of here. No road or towns for miles ahead. The man got closer, more annoyed at that point than cautious. Hey, is it snowing right now? No, Toby said without bother... Toby said without bothering to look up. And do you see any reindeer? Maybe some elves? Fat guy in a suit? He smiled joylessly. No, Toby repeated. Then there's something north of here, he said, laughing. Go north, you'll find it. Paradise. So they went off to see Santa, Toby joked. No, he screamed, his booming voice echoing through the empty parking lot. No, they went to see God. Sure, Toby dismissed, knowing that he'd waste his time by listening to the guy. Anyway, have a nice night. The man shrugged, as if Toby had wasted his time, and turned away, heading back the way he'd come. Toby got into the car. Well, that was bizarre, he said. He tell you what happened? Sadie asked. From what I can gather... Toby explained, heading towards the town prompter. That homeless guy thinks the pastor of your sister's church ordered everyone to head north to some kind of paradise. Sounds cultish to me, but the guy is not exactly a reliable source of information. As they exited the parking lot, Toby glanced at the side of the building and saw that the man had returned to his makeshift home. Against the side of the store, he'd made walls of shopping carts, connecting them with a tarp for a solid roof a wood board leaning against the entrance, functioning as a front door. Sadie noticed it, too. If everyone's actually gone, then why would he stay? Toby shrugged. Uh, Probably has nowhere else to go. The ten minutes it took to reach Mindy's house were eerie. Toby expected the lights inside the houses they passed to be shut completely off, but the streetlights were off, too, making the numbers of the houses hard to read. They relied on the map on Toby's phone to find the place, double-checked by keeping track of the street names as they passed the signs. As the couple stopped in front of Mindy's house, Sadie pointed to the driveway, where a minivan was parked. That's Ryan's car, she said, 
Maybe they're home. Toby looked down the street. There's cars all over the place. Wouldn't everyone's lights be on if they were all home? Sadie exited the car. Could be an outage, she suggested. Shaking his head, Toby followed her to the front door. Yeah, maybe. He conceded, albeit skeptically. Sadie tried the doorbell, but no sound came from it. She knocked on the door, but there was no response. The front door was locked. She tried a key on her ring, but it didn't work. Of course she changed the locks, she mumbled, looking around. How are we getting in? I'll check the windows, Toby suggested. Walking around the house, he found an unlocked window that faced the backyard. Found one, he called out, pushing the window as far open as he could. Climbing inside and using his phone's flashlight to look around, Toby realized that he was in a kid's room. Dust particles danced before him as he turned the lights to see the dressers, a toy chest, dinosaur wallpaper, an empty bed frame. The dresser drawers were open, and besides a few shirts and socks, the whole thing had been cleaned out. Toby exited the hallway and started towards the front door. As he reached the more open area of the house near the dining room, the smell of rotting food had pierced his nostrils. He dry-heaved, eyes watering as he ran forward without daring to look at whatever disgusting mess was in the room. Toby could just picture it. A dining room table covered in three courses of rotten meat, veggies, and dessert, maggots and flies feasting on the remains of an interrupted meal. As a squeamish man, he didn't tempt fate. Toby unlocked and opened the front door, but didn't move out of Sadie's way. Fair warning, it stinks in here, he told her. Sadie pulled her mask out of his purse and put it on. Thanks for the heads up, she said, turning her phone light on. After putting his own mask on, Toby pointed down the hall. So, I got in from a kid's room over there, uh, probably Chris or Miles' room. Unless Jessica's a big fan of dinosaurs, there's clothes still missing and the bed's gone too. She looked back at Toby, eyebrows raised. So, they are gone, and they took their beds? At least the one. Okay, Sadie said, looking around. I'll check upstairs. You check the rest of this floor, okay? Sounds like a plan, Toby replied, nodding. As Sadie went up the stairs, he stepped into the living room. Nothing in the room stood out as missing, so either they didn't pack up for a long trip or didn't feel the need to bring any of it with them. The television was still there, along with a sound system and a Blu-ray player. Movies lined the shelves next to the TV. Toby couldn't get a good look at the dining room by standing at the doorway instead of walking all the way in. Holding his breath, Tony stepped inside and saw basically what he expected. A table covered in rotten food, green-white mold blanketing most of the table's surface. The centerpiece, a large rotten pile of pancakes. The only items that seemed entirely untouched by decay were at one end of the table. An open UPS box and a fake rose, probably silk. Picking the flower up, Toby got a closer look and realized that someone had spray-painted the rose black. Like the signs going into town, he considered, before putting it down, wondering if there was a connection there. Behind the seat at the other end of the table, a large chair that Toby assumed belonged to Ryan, he spotted a poster on the wall. Getting a closer look, he found that it was a simple framed embroidery. 
At the top was the word Aspects, and below were six numbered instructions. 1. Remain hidden. 2. Recruit others. 3. Punish traitors. 4. Defend home. 5. Pay in blood. 6. Prepare for doomsday. Uh, Sadie, what the fuck is this? Toby called out. She came downstairs and entered the dining room. You're right, this is fucking gross, she agreed, looking at the table. No, this, Toby said, pointing out to the embroidery. Sadie took a step closer, holding her light to the words. Remain hidden? Doomsday? What the hell? Exactly. This wasn't here before? Toby asked. Well, it wasn't here when I visited, and my mom never mentioned it. Either it's new, or they put it away when they were expecting us. Yeah, Toby agreed. But what is this? She took another look. Sounds like a series of rules. Toby read the words again. It feels more intense than that. More important. Biblical. Commandments, maybe, Sadie suggested. Either way, they're not here, and I don't think they're coming back. Why? Toby asked, turning away from the embroidery. They took the other beds, most of their clothes, Mindy's jewelry, and their photo albums. I'm telling you, Toby, they're not here. So they left in a hurry, but had enough time to clear the place out of anything they knew they'd miss, Toby said. Okay, but where'd they go? And why is their van still here? Sadie shrugged. I don't know. Maybe the church? Okay, we'll swing by. But then we need to get in touch with the police and report this. This whole thing is fucked up. Sound like a plan? Let's go. They returned to the car, leaving the front door unlocked in case they needed to come back. The church wasn't too far away, but Toby took his time driving there. Something felt wrong about Cluster, especially after seeing the list of aspects on the embroidery. Toby didn't want to say it out loud, but Mindy's church was starting to sound like a cult. But cults don't take over entire towns, right? He considered, silently, wondering if Sadie was asking herself the same thing. The church parking lot was almost empty, save for a single van. Toby parked next to it as they exited the car. Oh, they must have renamed it. Sadie said, pointing at the sign. It used to be a Lutheran church. Children of the Black Rose Church, he read aloud. Hey, there was a black rose in your sister's house. Where? Dining room table, uh, next to a UPS box. They must have gotten it during breakfast. Maybe it's connected. Sadie looked confused. Why do you say that? Okay, Toby said, the picture already painted in his head. Here's what we know. Your sister's family had a creepy list of commandments on their dining room wall. They're having pancakes, most likely breakfast. They get a package, and someone opens it at the table. It's a silk rose spray-painted black. They stop eating, collect their most valuable personal effects, get their beds, and leave. I don't follow, Sadie said, confused. Toby put a hand on her shoulder. Honey... I think your sister's family is caught up in something dangerous. It's like a trigger phrase, like some kind of sleeper cell shit. The rose was a message, 
And given the new name of the church, I'm sure it's all connected. I'll check it out, but I want you to stay in the car again, okay? Sadie started fiddling with the bracelet again, but Toby doubted she noticed she was doing it. Okay, she agreed. Toby handed her the keys. Lock the door. Stay in the driver's seats in case you need to leave. I'll be right back. Be careful, she warned, looking to the front doors of the church. I will, he agreed, a promise he knew wouldn't be hard to keep. Toby wasn't a courageous man. If something happened, some fights or flight situation, it'd be flight for him. Toby had Sadie, so he had too much to lose being brave. He made his way up the steps, one at a time, almost scared to reach the doors at the top. Finally reaching the landing, he pushed one of the doors open. It was unlocked. Toby turned his phone light on and pointed it forward. Inside, Toby could see the silhouettes of over a dozen people amongst the pews. He stood in frozen silence for well over a minute. Come on, he thought to himself. Flight. Run away. At least do something. But Toby couldn't move a muscle, only darting his eyes between the figures. Toby's thoughts did not wander. Settling immediately on a single phrase, words burned into his mind since his stubborn teenage years. God has delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over to the hands of the wicked. Toby held on to the phrase, as if daring it to be true, or maybe preparing himself for the worst if it was. The fear began to subside slowly, and finally he could move again. Toby chose not to, for obvious reasons. The congregation, whoever they were, were sitting completely still. Hello? Toby called out, ready to run if any of them moved. Only silence answered him. He took a step inside. The pews near the door were unoccupied. Most of the strangers seated near the front. The podium was unmanned. Who are they waiting for? He wondered. As he neared one of the closer silhouettes, Toby was hit with the stench of decay for the second time that night. Oh, fuck! He cursed, pointing his light at the nearby silhouette. The man was wearing a suit, likely his Sunday best. His hair looked brittle, and the skin of his neck was a sickly reddish-brown. Toby took a step closer. The body looked wet. Finally, fight-or-flight kicked in, and Toby ran for the door without hesitation. Not bothering to close the door behind him, he flew down the steps, three at a time. The car was started before Toby even opened the passenger door. He threw the door open, jumped in, and slammed it shut. Go! He screamed, dialing 911 on his phone. What happened in there? Sadie asked, putting the car in reverse. They're fucking dead, Sadie. There's a lot of people in there, just sitting there. And they're all dead. Toby fumbled with the call button, nearly dropping his phone, hands slick with sweat. Did you see Mindy in there? Sadie asked, exiting the parking lot and heading in the direction of the supermarket. Any of the kids? No, I didn't get a good look at them, Toby admitted. One guy, though, he was just rotten. Finally, he pressed the call button. The operator was on the line after a moment. 911, what's your emergency? She asked. Well, uh, two things. I have to report some people missing, and I... How many people? She interrupted. Toby laughed nervously. The population of Cluster, give or take a dozen. 
The couple were instructed to stay at the supermarket parking lots until the sheriff could arrive. By the time he had got there, Toby had regained his composure. He didn't leave anything out, telling the sheriff all about the circumstances surrounding Mindy's family and the church, even telling him what the homeless man had said. The sheriff said he'd look into it and told Toby and Sadie to get a hotel if possible so they could answer more questions if needed. After a few days, they called Toby and said it was an active investigation, but they had no updates for them. As it turned out, another couple had also called in earlier that day, but no one mentioned anything about dead bodies, so they didn't look into it immediately. Toby and Sadie were free to go, and the investigators promised to contact them again when they had more information concerning Mindy's family. Weeks later, Toby finally got the call from someone claiming to work with the FBI, called themselves Agency Clay, asked Toby for more information concerning his Black Rose theory, and Toby told him, in detail, how he came to the conclusion that their church was some kind of cult. Thanking Toby for the confirmation, Agent Clay gave him the update that both he and Sadie were waiting for. Clay said that most of the information was classified, including what he was about to share, but that Sadie ought to know who was in the church. Every single body in the pews belonged to a different household, mostly the men of their houses. Some older relatives, like grandparents, were there to represent their family instead. Ryan was among the dead. How'd he pass? Toby asked, assuming that Clay would tell him that it was classified. Instead, he surprised Toby with an answer. Poison. Signs points to voluntary ingestion. Toby's mind wandered to what the homeless man said, and the picture was clearer than ever. They wanted to go to paradise, but there was no room unless you could pay. One of the aspects on the embroidery said to pay in blood. Every household had one member at the church, dead by their own hands. Go north, Toby said. What? Agent Clay asked. Can you elaborate on that, sir? The homeless guy said they went north, called it paradise. Now, obviously that's bullshit, and as zealous as they must have been, they didn't exactly treat it like the afterlife. How do you figure? Agent Clay asked. They took everything they needed, from clothes to personal effects, even their fucking beds. They took all of it, and they went somewhere. The homeless guy was right about everything else, so they must have gone north like he claimed. I'm certain of it. I'll take that into consideration, sir. Thanks for the info. With that, the agent hung up, leaving Toby with thoughts that bounced in his head like pinballs. Toby turned, excited, and saw Sadie standing at the door. She was twisting the damn bracelet again. Any news? she asked, clearly afraid of what he might say. Uh, good news and bad news, actually. Uh, Ryan was in the church. Uh, he's confirmed dead. And that's the bad news. The good news is that your sister and her kids were not at the church. Based on what the guy on the phone told me, I think she's with the rest of the people from Cluster. She ran to him, tears streaming down her face, and held him tight. You believe they're still alive? She asked face pressed against her fiancé's shoulder. I do, Toby admitted, wrapping his arms around her. That night, as Toby got ready for bed, he came out of the bathroom and found Sadie kneeling against the bed. 
For the first time since he'd known her, she was praying. Without a word, Toby knelt beside her, held his hands together, and closed his eyes. <laughs>